Good morning. Good morning. All right, please turn in your Bibles to uh, the first epistle of Peter. I'm going to be in chapter 2 this morning. <clears throat> you know, I, I seem to see a progression of thought uh, in Peter's writing here to the persecuted believers. If you remember in, in chapter 2, Peter taught us how uh, we're being used by God because we are living stones. And the living stones actually become the church, so we're part of the church. But the living stones are also used to build the church. They're used to build the church. The description of believers, look at that in chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race. Now he's talking about the persecuted believers. He's also talking about you and I here. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then he goes on to tell us about what kind of people we should be and the reason when he says in verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. So the progression here is who we are in order so that we could be the witnesses for Jesus Christ and the gospel. And he's talking in general here. In general, he's talking about our daily walk, our lifestyle. And I don't know about you, but I find it's not so difficult to practice righteousness when all the circumstances are good. It's not difficult to practice righteousness when people around us aren't acting sinfully. It's easier to practice righteousness when our society or our culture agrees with our Christian beliefs, or at least it adheres to them. Well, Peter's going to get a little bit now in detail about how to live an excellent life or have excellent behavior among the Gentiles. He's going to address submission to civil authorities, to employers, and to husbands, three specific areas of life where we need to be practicing the excellent behavior that he talks about in verse 12. Submission to civil authorities, employers, and husbands. Um, <clears throat> verse 13 of chapter 2 begins, Submit yourself to the Lord's sake to every human institution. Civil authorities. Look at verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters. Talk about submission in the workplace. And then we go over to chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. So he's going to be talking about this. And these are going to be areas where we can display, if you will, excellent behavior. Three specific areas. So he's going to teach us about submission. But what if our government leaders, our civil authorities, do not agree with our beliefs? 
Good question. What if our employer or supervisor does not act with mercy, but behaves harshly towards us? What if a believing woman has an unbelieving spouse? The three areas of life that he's talking about here are areas where the Bible teaches us to submit to these authorities. But perhaps we can make exceptions based on the circumstances, especially in the context of persecution that we have here. Peter's teaching in the context of persecution, how are Christians supposed to be submissive to biblical authorities, especially the civil authorities that may be bringing on the the persecution? How can they be submissive and why should they be submissive? Well, before we examine this first area of submission, the submission to civil authorities, government, if you will, can we first agree on a couple of biblical convictions? So as we address submission to civil authorities, can we agree on this conviction, the sovereignty of God? Can we agree that God is sovereign? All right? That he rules. Not only is he sovereign, but he is sovereign in all things. I've heard someone say, if he's not sovereign in everything, he's not sovereign at all. So can we agree on the sovereignty of God in all things? Can we agree in the sovereignty of God in all things? No exceptions. That's a conviction that's a good one to have as we start addressing uh, the truth that Peter's teaching us on submission to uh, biblical authorities. Another one can we agree on? Biblical truths, principles, and commands of Christ are applicable to all believers. All right? Biblical truths, principles, and commands of Christ are applicable to all believers. And I, and I state that especially, I want us to think, whatever the Bible teaches, it teaches to believers in America, in Canada, in Saudi Arabia, in China, in Russia, Cambodia, Burundi. These truths, these pr- principles are applicable to all Christians doesn't make any difference where they live, what government they are under. They're for everyone. Those are convictions that really should be established in us to help us understand what Peter is teaching and why he's teaching it. So with those convictions in mind, we're going to get to this idea of the, a submission to, to civil authorities Let me back up to where that is there. There we go. You know, although we're citizens of heaven, aren't we? That's where our citizenship is. That's where our authority is. That's where our ruler is in heaven. And we're strangers and and we're foreigners on this earth. We're foreigners in this world. We're in the world, but not of the world. But believers still must keep a proper respect for and humble submission to God-ordained institutions of human authority. Yeah, 
we're citizens of heaven. But God's God is here, and he has established some, some institutions. He's ordained them and human authority, and he wants us to follow them. Okay, let's look at um, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. See what Peter writes. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Uh, Peter's uh, instruction on submission to civil authority includes six elements. He gives us here the command to be submissive to civil authorities. He gives us our motivation to do it. He gives us the extent of this submission. He gives us the reason for submission. He gives us the attitude we should have with this submission. And then he gives us an application in this submission. So first, let's look at command. What is the command? Right there in the very beginning. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Now, I know you guys have received a, a lot of teaching on the words here that the hupotasso means to, to put yourself under. It's a, it's a voluntary thing. You are to voluntarily put yourself under uh, an authority, arrange yourself under someone who is in charge. We can see this all the way back uh, to the Old Testament. Let's see what Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses 14 through 15 says. When you enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you take possession of it and live in it and say, I will appoint a king over me like all the nations who are around me. Now this is in the context of God has told them he is their king. God is supposed to be their ruler. They are not supposed to want a, a, a human king over them because God is to be their king. So, so he's letting them know ahead of time, when you decide you don't want me to be your king anymore and you want a human to be your king, this is the advice and the talk that he's given them. Verse 15, you shall in fact appoint a king over you. Now notice what he says, whom the Lord your God chooses. Whom the Lord your God, you're going to appoint someone over you, but it's going to be whom I choose. One from among your countrymen, you shall appoint as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves, anyone who is not your countryman. So he says, you're going to choose to have a king sometime. But even when you choose to have a king, I'm going to be the one to choose who that is. In First uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse 24, this is when they were choosing Saul to be king, if you remember that. Samuel said, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? 
Now they said, we want Saul. But he says, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? Surely there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. They were choosing the king. But Samuel says God was choosing the king. Proverbs twenty four twenty one, My son, fear the Lord and the king. The advice of Solomon to his son. To fear the Lord, first authority, and fear the king. So, just from these, who ultimately chooses the king? The ruler, the civil authority, the one who's in charge. Who ultimately does it? It's God. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right, absolutely. God chose him. Submission, submission. Now, we've got to be careful of, of um, you know, God, how in the world did you do that, or why did you do that? Well, we could talk about that for a long time. But it is in God's plan. That whoever our president is, whoever sits in the Senate, whoever sits uh, in, the, in the lawmaking, whoever sits on the Supreme Court, whoever sits on the big chair in Richmond, God chooses who it's going to be within his plan of what he is doing in this world. God's in charge. So, submission to authorities is right because God appoints them. God points, and, and when you stop to think about it, if God puts that person there, when we rebel against that person, who are we rebelling against? When we say, get rid of them, I'm going to do it by any means, who are we talking against? We have to be careful. we got to be careful. Now, Chris, what was that? Oh, not me, not me, okay. On the other uh, side of that, uh, Acts 4 uh, and um, verse 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken you or more than to God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So what are you saying, Ashton? I'm saying the word which... I'm reading the word to you. I'm reading it. All right. All right. And chapter 4. Let's look at that. Verse 17, 18, 19. (laughs) Yeah, look at that. Okay, now let's look at that. What happened? Peter and John were told not to preach the gospel. They were told not to preach Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, they, and that's what they're told. And what, how did they respond? Okay, look what they said. Look at their words. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, make your own judgment. You judge. I'm going to decide to do what God wants. But you are in the judgment seat to say whether you think I'm right or wrong. You're the civil authority. You still have the authority over me. So I still have to submit myself. 
I'm going to do what God wants me to do, but I got to be willing to take the results of that. That's what they're saying. But they didn't follow them. They said, shut up. But they didn't say, we're not going to shut up. That's right. That's right. And guess what happened to them? (laughs) They got thrown into jail for it. Okay. So, so yes. They were willing to do that. They were were willing to to take whatever uh, punishment or whatever thing came to them. Um, exactly. Because they were they were committed to following the Lord and the Lord's command to them, preach the word. That's right, because God is the higher authority. Yeah. God may appoint the authorities on earth, but he is the higher authority. But that still doesn't bring them out from the authority of those people to do what they, the, the leaders, to do what they wanted to do. Okay? So they did what is right, but they still had to suffer for doing what is right. Yeah. Peter's you teaching you that. Make your own judgment. You make your own judgment. That's right. That's right. So Peter is teaching. That's what Peter's teaching the people. He's teaching them, look, you're going to be under persecution. Okay? You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to take what happens to you when they say, don't preach Christ, and you say, let me tell you what the gospel says. All right? So thanks. Thanks for bringing that up, Ashton. You jumped a little bit ahead of me, but but that's fine. Uh, Let me text back to where we were here. All right. Um, Even though uh, we are to submit and everything, it's even a little bit more than that. Uh, even though we're not of this earth, even though we are citizens of heaven, we should promote the welfare of our society and our government, even one that is not favorable to us. And we get that example here in Jeremiah. Now, remember what happened to Judah. Babylon came to Judah and defeated Jerusalem. And what did they do? What did Babylon do? They took with them whom? Back to Babylon. Everyone worth taking. Everyone worth taking. They took them back to Babylon. They took them out of their country. And they made them subservient to them. And you can get a lot of that out of the book of Daniel. Look what Jeremiah says to these people who have been taken out of their country unjustly. Okay? And what does he said to them? This is what the Lord of armies The God of Israel says to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and father sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers there and do not decrease. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord in its behalf. This is in Babylon. Pray for the Lord for the behalf of Babylon, for its prosperity will be your prosperity. That's a way of saying you're going to get carried into, into, um, into Babylon. You're going to go there, but you need to submit to that government. He goes later on to tell him. It's only going to be for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Not long, is it, Ashton? 70 years. But then, if you go to Daniel, 
and the decree was given by the king, uh, anyone who asks anything from anybody but you, king, pray or whatever, uh, then you will suffer. And um, Daniel uh, went to his house. He opened the window. The window was wide open. And he was sitting under the window at his desk. And get, get to the point to the end really quickly because I'm running out of time. <laughs> All right? All right. And he, he, uh, he ended up in, 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 uh, in punishment. Yes. Yeah. He, he did what God wanted him to do, but he still submitted to the earthly authorities for the results of that. Thank you. What did Paul teach about this subject? Look in Romans 13, verses 1 through 4. He says, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Chris, there is no one sitting there except an authority appointed by God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a servant of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on one who practices evil. This is Paul speaking. Peter and Paul lived in what empire? What empire? Roman. The Roman Empire. Under what government? At this time, when Paul is writing this, who is Caesar? Do you know? Begins with the N, ends with the O. Nero. Nero. And this is what Paul is saying. He's an authority uh, set in place by God. What was it like living in the Roman Empire? What was it like living in it? It was great, wasn't it? All right. Easy to practice your religion. Everything was good. Every, everybody was law-abiding. No problems. All right. The Roman Empire was known for homosexuality, infanticide, government corruption, abuse of women, immorality, violence, and I could go on and on. But look what Paul writes. What did Jesus say when it came to taxes? Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Yeah. You know what? Neither Christ nor either any of the apostles gave any exemption by which believers were free to rebel against civil authority, even one which put them to death unjustly. Look at their example. We already talked about the one exception, but that one exception says you still have to be submissive to whatever those civil authorities do as a result of you obeying God. 
Now, does that mean everyone's stuck? No. You know what? We and a lot of people have the option of changing to a different authority. I'll give you an example. Linda and I lived in California. We got tired of living under that authority, so we moved to another one here. We found out it's not a whole lot different, but it is better, okay? It is better. Um, I know people that leave this country and they go to France or Italy or Mexico because they don't want to be under this authority. God allows that. God allows that. But we're learning here we submit regardless of the nature of the government. Civil authority is from God even though the individuals may be godless. Okay? The government is ordained by God even though the people may be godless. All forms of government from dictatorships to democracies are filled with evil folks because they are led by fallen sinners. So God ordains the governments, but all these governments are run by godless people or fallen sinners, if you would think about it. Now, this does not negate the Christian's duty or blessing that we have to do what the government allows you to do to participate. Okay? You have a responsibility. When the government allows you to participate or do something, then, then you have a duty. It's actually a blessing, all right, to do it. For example, run for office. It's a blessing that, that we could run for office and be one of these authorities. Or we could be appointed by someone to be one of these authorities. But keep in mind, government sets the rules for that. The government sets the rules. We, we are allowed to vote. We're allowed to vote. That's a blessing that we can vote, if you will. A blessing from the Lord. Not everyone has that blessing. But remember, the government sets the rules when it comes to voting. A seven-year-old does not have the right to vote. Because why? The government has set certain rules, if you will. Uh, we have the blessing or the ability or, or the opportunity to communicate to the authorities as the government allows us to do it. Now, I cannot communicate to one of the authorities by sending them a bomb and saying, I don't like you. But I can send them a letter and say, I disagree with that and think that you should vote this way. So there are certain things that we can do and are allowed to do under what God has ordained in the authority in the government to participate and to do things. But the civil government, it's an institution, it's created by God. In itself, it is not evil. I don't care what government you say, in itself, it is not evil. It's the people that are the evil ones. It's the people that are the sinful ones. You know, there's never been a government on this earth, according to my study of history, there's never been a government on this earth that has not been free or that has been free from evil, from sin, from corruption, from being self-serving. That's the history. The people. That's the people. Will there ever be? Ah, will there ever be? Yes. Yeah. When? In the Millennial Kingdom. Come Sunday nights and learn about it. Okay? And in the Millennial Kingdom, 
there will be a man who sits on the throne as the ultimate authority, and he will be the perfect authority. He will be the perfectly righteous authority. And that's going to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's when you're going to see government, a perfect government. But not until then. All right. Our motivation. What's our motivation? What, is, what does he say here? Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. See, submitting to civil authorities is one way we honor the Lord. We actually honor the Lord. We obey earthly authority to honor God's sovereign authority. And honoring the Lord is following his example in verse 23 down here at chapter 2. Look at verse 23. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. The government that was under the sovereignty of God is the same government that murdered our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Same government. You know, if anyone had a right to rebel... To eliminate or change that government, it was the God-man. But he didn't. He didn't. Stop and think about that. As unjustly as he was treated, if anybody had the power and the right to change that government, it was him. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a great reminder. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to obedience. Okay? In view of an unjust government, an evil government, a government that is against, against us or whatever, Paul's saying the way we might war against that, the one way is with what? What's the divinely power that destroys these thoughts against us? Word. This word. It's the word of God. That's what we have. That's what we battle with, folks. That's what we use. All right? The word of God, which is powerful and powerful. But notice when he says this, that we have this war that we are fighting on. We use the word of God, but we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In our lives, we still, even in a warfare, we still have a responsibility to be obedient to Jesus Christ. You know, God has a plan. God has a plan to create a heavenly kingdom populated with redeemed humanity. That's as Pastor Pharaoh was going through the, the book of Revelation. What's at the end of the book of Revelation? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
and redeemed people all together. God's plan is he wants to be with a redeemed people that's going to worship him and glorify him. God started with nothing. Go back to the verse before Genesis 1.1. All right? There is nothing but God. Okay? God has a plan that he wants to be there, but he wants to redeem people with him. And that plan starts in Genesis 1.1 and goes through the book of Revelation, how that plan unfolds, what his plan is. He began with nothing, but his plan is sure to end with the way he wants it. And how did the redeemed get there? How did the redeemed get to heaven? Well, we could go through the whole plan of salvation and everything, but all of those redeemed got there somehow by the witness of somebody. Somebody in their outward lives, okay, attracted them so that they were willing to listen to the gospel. That's what Peter's talking about here. You know, in times of persecution, in times of submitting to the government, it's a perfect time to be a witness to who Jesus Christ is. A witness of humility, a witness of patience, and a witness to a sovereign God. And you know what? That honors the Lord. That honors the Lord. Yeah, it may chafe against our humanity. It may chafe against our sinful humanity, but it honors God. To what extent, to what extent are we supposed to be submissive? Well, Peter says to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, that means the top authority in the human chain, or to governors as sent by him, delegated authority for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. The foundations of human society are work, family, and government. And all of those institutions are ordained and created by God. He set them in place. Now, Peter's going to address, as I said, he's going to address work and he's going to address family, subsequent to the teachings on government. And we're going to see that the motive for submitting in family and work is the same as for government, for the Lord's sake, for, for the glory of God if you will. And I find it interesting with this whole idea of, of uh, biblical authorities and everything. Uh, in chapter 3, it talks about a wife being submissive to her husband. A husband who is submissive in the workplace to his employer. A husband who is submissive to the government. All right. A husband who is submissive to elders in a church. All right. And even that employer that that husband is submissive to, is submissive to the government, and maybe even to, to elders in a church. Even elders in a church are submissive to one another and to, to Christ, who is the, the head of the church. So there's a lot that goes into this um, teaching and understanding of submissive. But in these verses, you can tell that Peter is specifically addressing governance government because he's mentioning a king and he's mentioning governors and here we see god's purpose for ordaining government it says they they restrain evil 
Why? Because they have a threat. You do this and you're going to get this. And then they punish wrongdoing. And they promote public good. That's what government does. Uh, if you remember back in uh, what I said in Romans, chapter 13, Paul writing, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a servant of God for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a servant of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Without government, what do you have? Chaos. You have chaos and anarchy. And what happens with chaos and anarchy? You have violence. You have, well, let me see. What's the byline for the period of judges in the Old Testament? What's the byline? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, and it was chaos. And out of all of that, Israel said, we need a king. We need government. All right? That's what happens. Chaos. God uses government to rein in sinful man from doing his worst. Now, Peter doesn't make any differences here on different kinds of government. The most common government at this time would have been a king or a one person in authority, like in, in Rome, Caesar. And obviously, this recognizes, interestingly enough, the legitimacy of one-man rule as a form of God-ordained authority. Did you ever think about that? We live in a democracy and all we've been taught, but obviously God says hey, I can ordain where there's a one man in authority. Well, guess what? That's how it's going to be when we get to the millennial kingdom. And it includes different levels of authority. Governors who are sent under, under submission to the king. No exemption is made for rulers or authorities who make bad or unjust decisions. Because they all do. Because they all do. Folks, one of the best examples of what he's teaching here is the arrest of Jesus. When we look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 50, the arrest of Jesus. Remember, um, Judas gives him a, a kiss to identify that he's the one. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus, and who is this that was with Jesus that does this, reached and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Who did that? Peter, Peter did, didn't he? Didn't he? What did Jesus say? He said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels looking at that Jesus gave two reasons why Peter should not take up his own justice against the government what were the two reasons he should not have his own justice against the government because these these people that came to arrest him 
they represented government authorities. They were legal government, if you will. All right? What were the two reasons? Number one, put your sword away. Why? Those who take up the sword. Now, what is the sword uh, significant of when you think about government? Punishment. Capital punishment. All right? Only government has the right for capital punishment. All right? So those who try to take up the government's role of capital punishment are going to be punished by the government in the same way. So put your sword away. And then this next one really gets me. Do you not think I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Folks, he's saying, gee, Peter, I don't need your help. He says, I don't need your help, especially when you're going to violate the government. When you're going to rebel against the government, I don't need your help. Guess what? God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And we see also here in chapter 2 what Peter says the government's for. To the praise of those who do right. To the praise. The government recognizes those who are doing right, doing what they ought to do. They generally reward those who do right. Now, what's the reason? What's the reason for this? Verse 15. For such is the will of God to submit to the authorities. It's God's will that by doing right, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. By living humble, submissive lives, even under a persecuting government, you take away the reason for the gospel critics to say evil about you. You know, we're ambassadors for Christ, aren't we? All right? When we're out in the world, we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. So people look at us and say, what Ed does, that represents what Jesus would do. What Ed says, that represents what Jesus would say. We're ambassadors, and we represent him to the unbelieving world. If we do not submit to civil authorities, what are we telling the world about our Savior and King? Titus 3, Paul writes to, to Titus, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to slander no one. To slander no one. Have any of you slandered anyone in the past couple of weeks? Slander no one. Not to be contentious, to be gentle, showing every consideration for all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. You know, this is especially great teaching for elders, because one of the um, qualifications for elder, I'll read 1 Timothy 3, 7, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. A good reputation with those outside the church. Alright, what's our attitude that we are to have? Our attitude, verse 6, act as free people and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondservants of God. You know, we're free from bondage to sin, sin's power, the lost penalty, 
sin's condemnation. We're free from the, from the world's power, from death's power. But Peter's reminding us that although we're free, we are not free to use our freedom to excuse ourselves from submitting to the civil authorities. As bond slaves of God, we are free to obey God and to submit to the authorities. And then Peter ends with a very quick application, if you will. Uh, Look at verse 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor all people. We're displaying to the world our submission to authority. Our part of them is when we do this, we're demonstrating a godly attitude. And it happens, first of all, by honoring all people. Why do we do that? Why should we honor all people? Why do they deserve any honor from us or respect at all? Because you go back to Genesis and what? They are made in the image of God. Okay? They're God's creation. All right? So therefore, they are due some respect. This means we don't discriminate or, or hurt them or do something to them on the basis of race, sex, nationality, economic status, political party. Oops, I'm sorry I put that one in there. All right? We can disagree with people all day long, but that does not mean we should disrespect them. Disagree? Yes. There's a lot of people will disagree with out there, but that has no cause for disrespecting them. He said, love the brotherhood. Well, he's already mentioned this several times, how we are to love one another. And let me tell you something. When you really look at it, loving one another really helps us to be submissive to the civil authorities. And then fear God, the reverential fear. Recognizing what? Recognizing his sovereignty in all things. Recognizing his sovereignty in saying that's the government that we have. And that's the person in government. His sovereignty in ordaining the authorities. And then honor the king. We've come full circle now from submitting to honoring. The king is God's agent. He's God's agent for doing the work of the government. Do you give honor to your civil authorities? At least respect. Respect not because of who they are or what they do, but because God put them there. Because God put them there. You know, living out these principles that Peter's teaching us, gives genuine credibility to our Christian faith and is what has been termed, what what I like this, evangelistic citizenship. Okay? If I could sum up what Peter had to say here, it's God is sovereign. He ordains governments. He puts rulers in place. And he commands our submission to them as those who are under his authority according to to his plan. Uh, Before I pray, um, if, if if this is a topic that you really would like to learn a lot more about, about how the Bible talks about it and what the Bible says, uh, there's a book called Why Government Can't Save You 
Okay, that's a book by John MacArthur. He wrote in in uh, 2000. Uh, it's it's a really good book that goes into this in a lot more depth. Let me pray, and then I'll ask if you have any questions or comments. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, what a wonderful truth, but not easy. Not easy in our humanness. Uh, not easy uh, with the, the, the flesh, Heavenly Father. It really goes against what we may think in the flesh and what the flesh tells us. Especially the flesh would tell all unbelievers and even tries to say to us, actually, we are in charge. We are the one who make all the decisions. We are sovereign. Where God, we are not. You are sovereign. And I thank you that this is a lesson that reminds us of that, Heavenly Father. So God, I pray that you would help us to be good Christian citizens. We are citizens of your heaven, but help us to be good citizens of the country or the place or wherever it is that you have us, Heavenly Father. I pray for Pastor Farrell. He's going to be teaching in the, in the service coming up out of Romans, Heavenly Father. God, I thank you that you are sovereign. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.